let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Psalm 51, the 51st Psalm. We didn't mention it in the morning service, but uh, happy Memorial Day to you. And certainly we, uh, we thank the Lord uh, for the memory of those that over the years have given their lives uh, for our religious freedom, for our civil freedom. And we thank the Lord for their memory. And uh, certainly freedom is not free. It has a very high price. And uh, we certainly want to honor those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. I had a young man, his name was Ian Zook, was in our, our school years ago down in Florida and played on our basketball teams and uh, went off and joined the Marines and uh, was, I think, in his third year with the Marines, went over to Afghanistan and um, volunteered to take the place of one of his buddies on, a, on just a normal routine patrol. And RPG came and hit the Humvee that he was riding in and killed him. He was 25 years old. And uh, his family, certainly in our, our ministry down there, were shaken by that. And um, we had a scholarship, actually, in our, our school that we set up in his name and in his honor. And I've thought about him and people like him. All of us could relate stories of people we know that have given their lives in uh, our military service. And we thank the Lord for them. We thank the Lord for our country and for His blessings upon it. But it has not come uh, at a cheap price. It's been a very high price to pay. And uh, so we certainly want to take the time uh, to recognize that and to encourage us throughout this weekend, not to just look at it as um, the beginning of summer or a holiday weekend, but to take some time to thank the Lord for uh, the memory of those that have given their lives so selflessly uh, for our liberties and our freedoms. We thank God for it. Uh, where did I have you go? Psalm 51? Okay, uh, hold your finger there and turn now with me to Proverbs 25. We're going to be in both passages here in just a moment. <clears throat> Psalm 51 and Proverbs 25. And I want to preface the message this afternoon by saying that while I would love to claim this for my own, uh, I actually uh, was reading an article by another pastor recently uh, about a week ago, and there were some things in his article that were a tremendous help to me. And so I jotted a few of them down and um, wanted to share some of them with you. I think that they'll be a help <clears throat> on uh, keeping a right spirit, the idea of keeping a right spirit. I, I don't know if you realize or not or if you're as sensitive about this sometimes maybe as I am uh, on this thing, but I have found at least in my spirit, that little things affect it. Uh, keeping a right spirit is a difficult thing. It's a difficult chore. Uh, discouragement comes easily sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, frustrations, anger, uh, sometimes bitterness. Uh, they, they, I don't know if it's just because of our, our flesh nature, but there are times that it just seems like they, it, it so easily gets out of, out of balance, doesn't it? And uh, so I want us to, we're going to look at a few things, and hopefully it will be a help to you today. Um, and uh, let's look in Proverbs 25, and verse number 28. Solomon writes, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Uh, the importance of keeping a right spirit. The psalmist said in Psalm 51, if you'll flip over there, 
and uh, verse number uh, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'll bless this afternoon and speak to our hearts. I pray that you'll help us in an area that I know at least I've had struggles in and perhaps others have, and I pray that it'll be a help uh, to our hearts for your word to instruct and guide us and show us how we can uh, live our lives better pleasing to you and more acceptable to you. And so, Father, we do ask that you would bless the time that we spend here together this afternoon, that it will draw our hearts closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the psalmist makes this statement in Psalm 51 uh, regarding creating in him a clean heart, O God. And he makes this statement. He says, renew a right spirit within me. And when I came across this uh, in an article, there was a thought uh, that was brought out in that when we get saved, and we spoke about it last hour, uh, that there is something that is quickened inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He didn't used to be there. And now He lives inside of us. And He bears witness. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. And the idea that He sustains it, that He uplifts it, that He builds it, and helps us to know that we are the children of God and encourages us in that. He illuminates truth and brings it to light in our hearts. But from what we read in Psalm 51, obviously the psalmist was implying that there is the possibility that while the Holy Spirit still resides in us, and we don't, we don't lose the Holy Spirit from residing in us, we may quench Him or we may stifle His leading, we may become uh, dull of hearing perhaps, uh, His voice, but there is the possibility as we draw away and we do not submit and yield ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that it will affect our spirit. And that, that, that spirit that at one point was something new and something living and vital inside of us had drifted to a point where the psalmist thought uh, that it needed to be renewed inside of him. Uh, Paul told Timothy this way. He said, stir up the gift that is in you. He wasn't saying, Timothy, you need to receive a gift. You need to get a gift. It was already there. He said, you just need to, from time to time, stir it up. Um, little things tend to distract us in our spirits in the Christian life. And it's not very long before something that, that kind of uh, jilts us or gets us in the wrong uh, direction in our spirit begins to cause us to drift from the fellowship that we ought to be having with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this idea of... Uh, a right spirit in us. I want to find some things in Scripture uh, that kind of educate us a little bit about it, uh, what it is that, that hurts it, what it is that affects it, so that we can be a little bit more on guard for it, and then maybe a couple of things that will help us to keep a right spirit. So I want to look at a few of those things uh, this, this afternoon as well. I, I want to mention a couple of things that can affect our spirit, first of all. And I think we can all agree on most all of these. I, I don't know that any of them that I'll give you would be ones you would think maybe would not uh, affect our spirit, but certainly people that are, uh, are, I hate to call them our enemies, but those that would be anti-God or anti-Christian that become critical of us. Uh, we live in a, in a dark society. We live in a dark world, and uh, the Bible tells us that we're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And it says that the world, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. Uh, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
And can I tell you that one of the things that uh, is an enemy to our, our right spirit, keeping a right spirit, would be the, the opposition, let's put it that way, I guess we would say, uh, those that would oppose us in walking the Christian life. Uh, now, there, there's a lot of things that could be said about this. Uh, some of these uh, oppositions we don't have control over. For instance, uh, if you work at a job place and you work around unsaved people and people maybe that are vocally anti-Christian, there's not a lot that you can do about that as far as other than uh, uh, taking a stand in the workplace and that sort of thing. But that's part of your job. You have to be there day by day. And so there's some things that in regards to the opposition that comes our way, we may or may not have control over those. But there are other things in our life that we do have control of. Um, there are things that would oppose our spirit in our entertainment the things that we choose for forms of entertainment, there are things in there that can be critical uh, and, and, and squelch or hinder our spirit and our outlook on life. Um, you watch uh, television, and you maybe have a, 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 a show that you enjoy watching, and all of a sudden they begin to mock sin, and they begin to mock those that want to do right. And without even realizing it, because we're so enthralled and entertained by it, um, it, it marks our spirit. It, it creates a mark and a spot on us. It begins to detract from that spirit. And, and something that is so, uh, what we would look at and say, is so entertaining and so enjoyable to the flesh side of our, our, our nature, we don't even realize the opposition that's going on there. Uh, we've got to be careful of our forms of entertainment. Uh, sometimes our friends... Uh, we have to be careful. And, and when I say friends, uh, we live in a day where we don't really uh, define that very clearly because now we consider people that we've never met before that we click a button on Facebook about as our friend, and we may not even hardly know those people. But even our acquaintances, people that we hang around with, people that we socialize with, if we're not careful, we've got to guard our acquaintances in the sense that they could very easily sway our spirit. And so we've got to be careful of those that would be against us um, and things that maybe we don't always put uh, in, a, in a category of being in opposition to us. Um, news programs that we watch, we've got to be careful of those things. Uh, we've got to be careful of uh, the music that we listen to, the shows that we watch, the periodicals that we read. All of that would be things that could oppose our spirit and cause our spirit to uh, become discouraged, to become frustrated, become cold. Uh, our friends, uh, the people that we hang around, of course, we mentioned that. And the idea, uh, in fact, uh, the Bible talks about guarding our acquaintances and um, uh, that we've got to be so careful of the friends that we hang around. We teach our young people this. We say be careful of the peer pressure. Uh, occasionally, even family can quench our spirit. And I, I know that that's touching uh, pretty close to home, so to speak. But there are times that even our family members, as much as we love them, may be detrimental to our spirit. We've got to be careful of those things. And then circumstances of life, uh, just the day-in, day-out circumstances of life. Uh, any of you ever come home and say, boy, today was really a rough day? And it affected our spirit, didn't it? Uh, ladies call it having a bad hair day. 
Uh, men call it having a bad fishing day or whatever, I guess, whatever men come up with. But we have these, these times where we get done with the day and we feel like, boy, it just was not a good day today. Circumstances of life came up. Things happened in my life that discouraged me and caused me uh, to, uh, to have my spirit quenched. Now, these things that will affect our spirit affect us in several areas. I'm going to give you three areas they affect us in. And then I'm going to give you two things that the Bible tells us we can do to try to help keep a right spirit or what the psalmist referred to here as renewing our spirit. But uh, the areas that these, these, let's call them enemies of our spirit, uh, the areas that they will affect us is in our perception of things. Um, you ever heard the phrase, making a mountain out of a molehill? Uh, it's amazing that when our spirit is not right, uh, all of a sudden things uh, lose their perspective. They, uh, they, they, get, uh, they grow out of proportion. They get much, much larger than they should. Um, my dad used to say this, usually the difference between a big problem and a little problem is just 24 hours. Uh, because we, get, we, we tend to react to it quickly, and if our spirit is, is not what it should be, if we're not relying on the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and to direct us, the problems that come our way, the discouragement that comes our way, the frustration that comes our way, the opposition that is given against us seems much larger than it is. Um, I have had times in my life where I felt like, Lord, I can't take much more of this. This is just getting beyond what I can endure. Uh, I've had people say, boy, I'm just, I'm just right at that point, Pastor. I, just, I, I, don't know if I, I, I don't even know if I want to keep serving the Lord. And I've had people that have been that way, and boy, I just, I'm struggling right now. It's really hard. And it's because our spirit has gotten out of sorts. And so I want to encourage us in this thing that we understand the urgency of protecting this thing that the Bible calls our spirit. Um, our perception will be affected. Uh, the way that uh, we look at things, whether we look at them with an optimistic viewpoint or a or pessimistic viewpoint. Some people look, call it looking at the glass as being half empty or the glass being half full. And I'm not one to preach on the power of positive thinking. That's not where I'm going with this. But I will say this, that... We can tend to look at problems from an aspect of trust in, uh, trust in Christ to help us through the trial, which in that case, we see that we're going to make it through and come out on the other side. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it certainly would have been easy for him to look at that and say, well, that's a negative thing. But instead, he looked at it as a positive. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so often we go through trials and burdens, and if our spirit is not what it ought to be, we'll begin to look at things and we'll start saying, boy, I'll tell you what, it's sure been a battle. I'm not saying we don't have battles, but aren't you glad we have a God that brings us through our battles? And when our spirit is not right, uh, we get to the place where people are afraid to ask us how we're doing. They're afraid we might tell them. And uh, the idea that we... we uh, not only lose the perspective of the, uh, how big the problem is, but we, we tend to start looking at things from a very negative standpoint when the Spirit is not what it should be. And because of that, it affects our service to God. You ever notice that? When the Spirit is out of sorts, when our spirit gets out of sorts, and we get frustrated and we get discouraged and we get downhearted and we lose that perception of things, we begin to not fulfill 
the opportunities that God brings our way. When we're always down in the mouth, we're always defeated and deflated. We're not really out there serving the Lord the way that we're supposed to. And so I say all that to say this, it, it hurts our service to the Lord. It's not just something that, I've heard people say this before, well, it's just affecting me. No, it's affecting other people. Because it affects how much we're able to witness to people. It affects how much we're able to share the gospel with people. It affects how much we're able to serve. And so the importance of this keeping this right spirit, uh, renewing this right spirit. So I want to give you two things that the Bible says we can do, and then we'll be done this morning, this afternoon. Two things that we can do to keep a right spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to encourage our spirit or to bear witness, as the Bible words it, with our spirit. Turn with me, first of all, to Isaiah chapter number 26. Isaiah chapter number 26. And verse number 3. Isaiah chapter 26. And verse number 3. And I have preached on this before. It's nothing new. But sometimes we may not relate this principle to keeping a right spirit. In Isaiah chapter 26, in verse number 3, Isaiah writes, Thou wilt keep him in perfect, what? Peace. Well, there's no anxiety in this spirit, is there? Perfect peace. There's no frustration here. There's no discouragement here. But instead there is what? Perfect peace. I don't know about you, but boy, I'd love for my spirit to live in this, in this uh, area the rest of its days. To have perfect peace. Come what may, there's peace there. No anxiety, no frustration, no concern, no, no depression, no having a pity party saying, woe is me. Boy, I can't believe what God's brought into my life. I can't believe the opposition I'm getting right now. I can't believe even my own family or my own friends have turned their backs on me. There's none of that. There's no feeling sorry for ourselves. My dad years ago used to say, I have one pity party a year. He said, I, I plan it. I put it on the calendar. I have one a year, get it out of the way, and then I'm done with it for the year. But you know, a Christian ought not have a pity party. There ought to be perfect peace. And here's how Isaiah says we have perfect peace. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, who's what? Mind is stayed on the circumstances of life. Is that what it says? Whose mind is stayed on our friends. Whose mind is stayed on those that treat us right in life. Is that what it says? It says, whose mind is stayed on what? The... Does that mean we're to think on the Lord even when we're treated badly? Absolutely. What about when somebody, uh, what, what somebody that we even thought was a dear friend turns on us? Is that time for discouragement? I'm not saying there's not some hurt in it, but is it time for discouragement? Not if our mind is stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this before, the importance of our focus. Instead of looking at the problem, looking at the God of the problem. Instead of looking at the trial, looking at the one that will bring us through the trial. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is, and I love this phrase, stayed on thee. It's anchored to it. It's, it's unshakable. It's unmovable. Uh, we, don't, we don't falter. We don't, we don't wishy-wash. We don't go from one uh, extreme to the other. And I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that. 
But I've met some people before that, man, on one day, they can't say enough good about how God's working in their life. And the next day you ask them how it is, and you'd think, boy, this guy's lost his best friend. Everything in the world's going against him. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could allow our Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to keep us in perfect peace? And the way that I believe the first thing that the Bible teaches us we are able to accomplish that is by keeping our mind stayed on Thee. Now that's a pretty simple concept, isn't it? But how do we keep our mind stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ? You ever thought about that? Boy, I I tell you, that was a good message. I, I need to keep my mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, and we dismiss, and you walk out of here, and the next thing you know, something happens, and you're like, Okay, how do I do that? I mean, does Pastor Greg know what's getting ready to happen in my life or what just happened in my life? How can he tell me to keep my mind stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we do that? I'll tell you a way that has helped me. During the times of the deepest disappointment and hurt, to run to the Scriptures and, and saturate our hearts and our minds with God's Word. I'm not talking about just trying to find a verse to get us by, but I'm talking about pouring our hearts into it. To, to, to so saturate our life with God's Word, to let it do its encouraging work in our hearts. It's hard uh, to stay frustrated, to stay sad, to stay bitter when we read things like make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise how can you be discouraged when you're reading things like that How can you be discouraged when you read, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. How can you be discouraged when you read, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. How can we be discouraged? How can our spirits be in a low point and in a low state when we saturate ourselves with the Word of God. I believe that in order for us to have our minds stayed on Him, we must saturate our lives with the Word of God. And by the way, that's a concept that we are not familiar with in this day. The reason is we have so many things that vie for our time. We have so many cares in this life that distract us, doesn't it? It's amazing to me that when I read about great, great revivals where God moved, I'm not talking about where there was an emotional stir or where there was great music or some great evangelist, but when God came in and the Holy Spirit fell and revival was brought about, it's amazing to me as you read about the events that surround that thing, how many people give themselves wholly to seeking God to spending time in His Word, to spending time with Him in prayer. 
And I think that's where Isaiah is going with this when he says, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is five minutes in our Bible reading schedule today. It's not just checking off the reading schedule, but whose mind is stayed on thee. If we have trouble focusing on God, if we have trouble going through the day and not thinking of God through the circumstances of our life, then we need to saturate ourselves more with His Word. We need to, that ought to be a warning flag to us. We get to the end of the day and we're discouraged and we're frustrated with what's happened and we feel like, boy, that, that peace that God promised me is not there. That ought to be a flag saying, listen, Greg, you didn't spend enough time in my Word today. You need to get back to it. Well, I was busy today. <laughs> when I was in college, we had to take what was called Old New Testament Survey. Loved, loved it. Very, both of them, great courses. And uh, we did uh, one one semester, uh, Old Testament Survey, and then we did New Testament Survey another semester. And so one of the outside, some of the outside work we had to do is, uh, for Old Testament Survey, we had to read through the entire Old Testament in one semester. And then in the New Testament survey, we had to read through the New Testament two times in one semester. So in one school year, we went through the entire Bible and then back through the New Testament a second time. And daily, the professor would get up in class almost every day. I don't, very rarely did he ever miss a day. And he would start the class with a word of prayer and a thought for the day. And then he would get into the class and he'd say, if you're not caught up on your Bible reading, stand up. <laughs> Talk about putting you on the spot. And we stood up if we weren't uh, up on our reading. And he'd go through one at a time and say, okay, I want to know why. Tell me why you're not caught up on your reading. And you say, boy, that's, that seemed awful picky of him, and that was really none of his business. But what he was trying to do was put us through training and boot camp in, the, in a Bible college setting of teaching us discipline to read God's Word on a regular basis. And so we'd go through. And it wasn't very long into the school year where we realized there was no good excuse. I heard guys get up and say, well, I had to, I had to work uh, late last night. And the professor, in fact, he just retired from the college this year and had uh, been teaching all these years. But he would look at him and he'd say, did you sleep? Did you eat? And you didn't have time for God's Word? <laughs> and I mean, he kind of puts you right between the eyes with it. And, you know, it's easy to be offended and say, boy, that guy had no right to do that. But, boy, he drove a point home, didn't he? We find time to do the things that we want to do. And when Isaiah says, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, and our spirits are troubled, we don't have a right spirit within us. The question I ask when I get in that situation, I look at the mirror and say, Greg, did you eat? Well, that answer is pretty obvious. Did you sleep? And you didn't have enough time to spend in God's Word? So you set the clock a little earlier. Maybe you go without a meal to be stayed on God. Our right focus, our right focus 
The second one I want us to look at is in Proverbs chapter number 27. If you'll turn back there with me. Proverbs chapter number 27. Probably outside of our walk with God's suffering, which I believe is the top problem. In fact, it's amazing how many times over the years when someone has come with a problem and has uh, said, I need some counseling. Most of the time, the first question I ask them is, how is your devotional time with the Lord? How's your walk with God? Rarely have I ever heard, in fact, I don't know that I've ever heard them say, well, it's doing great, but I still have this problem. I don't know that I've ever heard that. What I normally hear is, well, I really haven't been staying up with walking with God and spending time with Him. I've kind of let that slip a little bit here lately. And invariably, that's usually about as far as it takes to realize there's the problem. I'm not saying that there's not some things occasionally that we have to go further than that with, but typically that's, that's the bulk of the problem. The greatest problem is having a wrong focus and not keeping our mind stayed on the Lord. But what I think is probably a very close second to it. We find in Proverbs chapter number 27, and we're going to read several verses here. Verse number 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. Now look down to verse number 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I believe one of the second most damaging things probably the second most damaging thing to having a right spirit is our friends. Having the right kind of friends. If you look at the friends that you have and they are constantly causing your heart to be burdened and brought down low in care and anxiety and worry and frustration, then you need to look for better friends. Or you need to find a way to edify that friend into becoming the kind of friend they ought to be. Because it's amazing to me, as much as for so many years I dealt with the issue of peer pressure in a teenager's life, as I was a youth pastor and would preach often on young people being careful to choose their friends right, it's amazing to me how many people get into their adult years And all of that caution of choosing right friends when they were teenagers seems to go out the window. I'm not saying that we're not to be friendly with everybody. But we need to be cautious about who our friends are. Those that we love, that we cherish, that we spend a lot of time with. Because the Bible says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of a friend. The idea that we as God's people are to edify, to build up, to encourage one another. And if we're not doing that, we're not the right kind of friend. And if the friends we have are not doing it, 
then we have the wrong kind of friends. Two things I want to encourage you in in order for us to have a right spirit. Because if you're like I am, our spirits are so fragile. They get moved, they get twisted, they get so easily swayed. Keep a right focus. That is paramount. Our minds must be stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, be careful who your friends are. Be careful who your friends are. So I want to encourage you in that. I hope that will be a help to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how it guides and instructs us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. As the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, may I be sensitive and yielded to your Holy Spirit. May I keep my mind stayed upon thee. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be cautious of these things that would so easily detract and sway and hinder my spirit from the influence that your Holy Spirit longs to have on it. I pray that you'd help dismiss us with, our blesses, with your blessings and help us to keep the truth of the messages we've heard today on our hearts and on our minds. As we go throughout this day, I pray that you would help it to be meditated upon, that your Holy Spirit will continue His work in our hearts and help us to become more of what we ought to be for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you all. You're dismissed.
that time of year where all these leaves are starting to grow up around all this rock stuff around here that's around here. And little by little, they're chopping away at the leaves. Now, leaves is not what piles it, they only do better to pile it up hanging it up. <laughs> two or three days this week, I've had them out there working in the yard. And they're Thank you. 